0: ESPN's The Far Coast podcast. It is a very happy 31 days to go to all who celebrate and it's a very happy Matilda's Provisional Squad announcement day to all who celebrate. We now have a much clearer idea of who will actually be in the squad for the 2023 Women's World Cup and it just made everything that little bit realer. I don't know about you guys. I had been booking stuff and it was like, yeah, sure, it's coming up. And then all of a sudden the Provisional Squad drops and I'm like, oh, this is the squad for the games in the World Cup that we're going to be playing really, really soon. So it was a beautiful moment of panic for me. But obviously (laughs) Provisional Squad means we have stuff to talk about. We have 29 names. They will need to be cut down to 23 in time for the World Cup. There's a few interesting names that have been dropped, a few questions that need to be asked, so lots to chat about. But before we get into it all, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lordanek, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington and Angela christian Wilkes. So, friends, like I said, we've got 29. It needs to be cut down to 23. What are our initial thoughts. Tara, you've got your hand up. What are your initial thoughts on this squad? Is it working? Now. Uh, it is there
1: now. We
2: go. Yeah. Wow, well, I was like, has Marissa muted me? Are my thoughts so undervalued? They should be because I'm going to be very immature and take the opportunity <laughs> to initially react by, uh, by those fans of, you know, moments such as I was right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've got another little moment for you. Uh, let me just take you back to April nine, when the Matildas suffered a very disappointing loss to Scotland and we were doing the post-mortem and let's hopefully this plays, hopefully I've not muted myself. Tell me if you can hear it gang. My question to you guys, and this is based off seeing a couple of interviews recently, seeing the kit launch. Does it feel like to you guys, because it feels like to me that the door has been, even if it's only slightly ajar, is not closed on Kaya Simon. I feel like they're giving her every last chance to make a very, very, very late run at it. I don't I don't think the door's fully closed. Turns out it's not. I was right again. the
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well
3: done, Arrow. Well
2: done. Um of course she's not named in the final squad yet, but that was clearly the headline story out of this, right? Um They've not put a line through her, whatever you think of it. It's pretty remarkable that she's at least put herself in the position to be considered to go into that that training camp. Um, did that ACL uh, playing with Tottenham in October. Hasn't played a competitive game since. So she's coming from a, a long, long way back. And I'm sure you guys are the same. When you look at this squad... Um, 29 players, Um, I was sort of trying to guess them beforehand before I wrote something, and I think I had 31 down and the two that didn't make it, we'll talk about them, were were Holly McNamara and Matilda McNamara. It's very much a bar Simon who's not played your greatest hits of the past year or so. But for me, the squad had this real theme of players getting um, that race against time uh, to to make this squad. And Simon's the obvious one, but you've got Alana Kennedy, Chloe Legazzo. Emily Gilnick, and to lesser extents like Tamiki Um, We know Emily Van Egmont's missed some time. We know Tegan Micah had the concussions. I know Mary Fowler missed a couple of late games, but they're always pretty confident she'd be right. But there's so many players that are coming off having a, a rough run of preparation. And it, the thing that's going to be fascinating to me is who they squeeze in, who misses out, and how many are actually able to make a genuine run at it. They're going to this, um, this closed camp on the Gold Coast um, uh, before they head to Melbourne for the final squad selection. As we said, there's got to be six cup, but yeah, it is fascinating. Uh, yeah, For me, the, the standout story of it all was was Kai Simon getting picked. And you, you can understand why, because um, she's so influential. She's experienced. She's a clutch player. Big moments. Big game player. Has played with a lot of these guys before. Knows the way they played. Was so influential at the at the Olympics. I remember there was one game, I can't remember which one it was, when I was trawling back through this podcast trying to find my moment where Angela was pumping up um Kai Simon's form. So, yeah, it, I don't mind it, to be honest, that you're giving all these players every last possible shot to to have a run at it. Um, and I'm just going to be fascinated to see who actually comes out the other end because you can't be taking in players that can't actually make an impact into this home World Cup.
3: But, yeah. And that's that's the big question, isn't it, Harry? Like when it comes to a tournament like this, there have been discussions in the last couple of months about squad sizes, right, and about how tournament football really requires Basically every single player to to play a role, and we saw how uh, how important that was during the Euros, for example, and you know discussions recently about how the squad sizes for the Women's World Cup should be extended to 26 players because the the loading and the fitness issues and the number of competitive games and all these other um, uh, sort of logistical questions around women's football effectively come to bear on the bodies of these players, the, the longer they go or the more that they progress in a tournament like this where you've got sorry,
2: sorry Sam. No no. Only men can be affected by these things. That's why they that's get right. 26 player exactly right. Yeah, exactly. As we um, should know
3: <laughs> Yeah. And that's right. And it's just like it's it's still such a bizarre decision to me that like it should surely it should be the other way around, considering the physiological impacts that we've seen Women footballers experiencing the past four years with the acceleration of professional the professional game, right? Like the load that they are carrying in their bodies, having not had full-time professional training environments for the majority of their careers, all of a sudden being asked to back up again and again and again for club and for country. We've got back-to-back tournaments in in multiple years for some of these nations, and you know we've seen this epidemic of ACL injuries, which one of the, the sort of the factors in that is 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 load it's 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 players playing too much football in too short a space of time so it's frustrating in some ways that we, we we see a squad like this now and we know that it has to be that six players have to get the chop um but ultimately the the 23 that need to go to the tournament you'd all you'd expect all of them need to be able to play and that's what is sort of the big question for me i guess looking at this this provisional squad is like yeah we've got players like a uh, kaya simon who are being given the opportunity but will they actually play and if the if the answer to that is no then should they be chosen in the final 23 i don't i personally i don't think so i think every player needs to be able to play
1: yeah it definitely does like just looking at the list the final decision seems to just be surely it's just going to be based on who can run good at that point in time <laughs> yeah, um yeah. Cause I guess you could refine it a little bit based on like, oh, well that player has had a few more minutes or or that player hasn't like Emily Gilnick stands out as someone who is not currently injured. I think she did have an injury early on in the WSL season came back, but wasn't getting a lot of time, but she, she can run, she can run. But on the positive side of it, I feel like there's no, uh, there seems to be a balance. Like there's no, urgency attached in terms of like needing to fill a spot in the squad Mm. because we're lacking um depth in that particular position so that's called the Claire Hunt theory (laughs) yes yes you got
2: you got Claire Hunt
1: (laughs) which is I was thinking I was like highlighting her name in green like ah yes defenders we love that and yeah like in terms of yeah, defence, that's usually a concern. We're fine there. Midfielders, we've we've got lots of them. And forwards, we have forwards, which is nice. So I, I suppose on the other side of that, that does mean that the final decision can be based around, yeah, like wealth, the welfare of players and like the actual where they're at physically and, and health-wise rather than well, we're going to take you even though you're a bit iffy because we really do need an extra defender or an extra midfielder or whatever it might be because we don't have enough.
0: So that's that's good, but yes. I think talking about health-wise was a really good kind of jumping off point then because the fact of the matter is even though I think there's no – surprises in this squad we're all very very familiar with them there mm. are more than just Kaya Simon or more players than just Kaya Simon where over the last couple of months we've been watching them not play constantly rehabbing injuries in the gym or just like haven't been cited since an injury so obviously Kaya would be top of that list but then I'm thinking an Alana Kennedy who just did never got off the ground at man city this season because of injuries i feel m Gilnick very much the same boat chloe lagazo we haven't seen her since january and there was the whole she's at western she's going back to the us they've dropped her so she's back at western and that became a whole kind of subplot with the a-league women's grand final and i will simply never forget mary fowler with her fractured back and gareth taylor just being like oh it's just a fractured back she'll be fine and i'm like gareth no honey that's not how we approach something like a fractured back but those are the players where I'm like in any kind of scenario you would put them in a world cup squad but because we kind of have no idea where they're actually at they become question marks in this squad so does anyone have any takes or insights into kind of these question mark players and like do we give, you know, your Alana Kennedys and your Emily Gilnicks, are they on if they're fit, even though they've had really shitty seasons for reasons beyond their control, if that makes sense? Alana Kennedy, you have to take, in my personal opinion.
2: Um, and that's not because I'm saying you have to start her, because if my theory is because if you don't, you run the risk of what happens if you get a, a 2019 where Claire Polkinghorn does her hammy? Your first option then is Steph Catley to centre-back or you've got to call yeah. an Ivy look. Um, yeah. I, I think we can all sort of not assume, but I would say go with the vibe of uh, Catley, Hunt, Poking Horn and Carpenter is your back four and Charlie Grant can pinch it where you need it if, in those full-back roles. Alana Kennedy is... Far from the worst thing you can have as a backup. Even if she's barely played, when she did play for City, she was player of the match in her first game back from injury. She's had a torrid run, but she's experienced. She's got more than 100 caps, I believe, Marissa, if you go off your little spreadsheet. She's been to multiple World Cups. She know what it takes. Popular member of that playing group. Well-respected as a leader. Even if she doesn't play, you got to have her there. You just have to have that defensive cover. We've been talking for so many years about, oh, geez, we need that extra defender. Like, sorry, Mickey Mouse, but why the fuck would you like leave a defender out now when you finally got a bit of depth? Like, sure, we might have initially been looking for the backup for Alana Kennedy, but if it turns out that Claire Hunt is surpassing her and getting into that eleven, that's a fucking fantastic result. And then you got Kennedy on the bench, plug and play sort of player who, you know, we know she can have a drop a clanger here and there, but is still a. a very good defender, like is no slouch, right? She has to go. Um I think Tamiki Allop has to go if she's fit. I just think her versatility, her leadership, you can chuck her in anywhere. Um I'm less so like I, I love Chloe Logarzo as a player, the initial the you know, the original I was right player. Um I think if she was fit and firing they'd pick her now no doubt. But she's not been firing for a long time as she's She'd be the first to admit that she's in a real race against time to actually make it. She's not played um, a full game in a really long time. She's not played a game since January. Um, I think her and and Emily Gilnick are in a very similar boat in that it is going to be really, really hard. Just in terms of exposed form, um, I I think they're the ones that are really in that that uphill battle to to make it. But I'm happy to hear other opinions on this. I just think it's like Kennedy and Yeltsin you're taking and Yelop did play in the April window to be fair. So she's not that far back. Um, but you know, Simon and Simon's just in her own sort of category because it's like a real unlikely bolt from the blue sort of situation. Like you can't even really a- apply it the same way as like a Legazo and Guernic who seem to just have these chronic setbacks. Um, but yeah, I think you've got to take Kennedy and Yelop and the rest, you sort of see how it plays out. I have.
1: A logistical question um, that someone might be able to answer. But in terms of support and rehab and that kind of thing, if you're Chloe Legazzo and you're we- at Western United, are you getting that year round or, like, do you, like I'm assuming, would she need, like, a contract for the next season in order to be able to be doing that stuff with the club? And similarly she is, with Kai She's signing. contracted.
2: She's contracted for next season at Western United.
1: Okay. So, like, yeah, in terms of rehab support, i just the only reason I know this is because of the Harry Sutar thing when he was injured for the Socceroos and I was very upset and apparently he'd gone back to his club and I'm like, okay, so most players will do their rehab at their club. Um, But like for a Simon, she doesn't have a club. So I don't know if it's like a being able, her being able to access support by being in a camp and being in a squad, but at the same time, like what would be the point of that unless there's some payoff because we were discussing pre-pod, like, this is the last chance for her to play at a world cup. She's not necessarily a player that she's not a developmental player that we're, you know, stocking for the future necessarily, which is, I don't know. I, and personally, I'd love to see Kaya Simon do well at a world cup, but I just don't think that she's making the cut. That's an aside. Anyway, my question, is that a thing? Am I making that up? Or is it a conspiracy theory? Um,
2: it, it kind of depends like, cause obviously things like insurance and that come into it as well. Like, so Sometimes, for example, if you injure yourself uh, with national team, your national team is in charge of your rehab. And then often if you do it at club, the club is responsible. And when you have things like players changing clubs and that, there can be transfer of, you know, the medical stuff. Like Kai Son would have done a lot of her rehab at Tottenham, but the Matildas Mm -hmm. would have had a level of oversight. Like it can be quite complex, but she wouldn't have been missing out on anything. Uh, Chloe Legazo, for example, I've spoken to. A few times, just by virtue of being in Melbourne, right? Um, She's been doing a lot of her recent rehab, much like Angie Beard was, who's now playing for the Philippines, uh, with Western United. So Chloe's been over. They share facilities with Essendon, the AFL club. So she's been doing a lot of training in there. Um, So her club is providing that environment. But it really, really varies, and it depends on where you injure yourself. But at this level, they've, they've got the injury support, whether it's going and doing their rehab with the Matildas and training in, say, a future Matildas program or going with their club. I know Legazo was doing some training. I think with Westerns, maybe they're academy boys. Like, they they all have their own sort of way of, of doing it, depending on what stage of rehab they're in and what the injury is and all those sorts of things. So I wouldn't say that she'd have had any gaps, if that makes sense, Kaya Simon. There you go. I learned a
1: lot just then. Anyway, so that, that's out the window. So now I'm like... Why Kaya Simon? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, and in terms of like any takes that I have, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you, Harold, Like Kennedy and Yallop, and Yallop's versatile, which will be a useful thing. And it seems like she's out of the kind of that group of injured players the furthest along in terms of being back fully, which is great because she's fantastic player. Um, but yeah, it's a. Can, mm, yeah, I don't want to look at the injured player list anymore. Sam. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, look, look, aside from, I guess, the group of, um, how can we categorise them? The, the group of sort of like the more experienced injured players, I suppose. Your Kennedys, your Yallops, your Simons. Players who've been there, done that. We We know they're reliable. They've got big game experience, big tournament experience. It's just about their bodies and whether their bodies can hold up. Aside from them, the other group that I think is really interesting in this provisional squad is... I don't know the group maybe we can describe them as like the peripheral kids so we've got like a Remy Seamson we've got an Amy Sayer we've got Jada Wyman and I, I kind of categorize Larissa Crummer as part of the kids even though I know she's 27 she's been around for a little bit longer and been involved over the last year as well I would sort of put her in that group as well because it's uh, it's not just us I think there's a lot of people who are still questioning um the role of Larissa Crummer in the Matildas and and what she actually brings when it seems like and we've spoken about this in the past episodes where it seems like there are other players who can do what she does better than what she can Um, so I'd be I'd be really curious to see whether any of those players the the young kids actually get an opportunity here especially someone like Amy Sayer because Amy Sayer sort of came from nowhere for a lot of people she's still in college she's you know she's played at youth national team level and when she has come on for the senior side in the last couple of windows, she has held her own. Like she has sort of looked like she's been around for longer, maybe than what she has. So yeah, it'd be it'd be really great to to see one of those youngsters get uh, get uh, make the final twenty three. Because I think that this is, on the one hand, while it's meant to be you know the absolute cream of the crop squad that we want to try and win the World Cup. I think it's also still part of that other project that Tony G has been tasked with, which is trying to bring through this next generation of players. And don't forget that his contract doesn't end this year. His contract ends after the Olympics next year. He needs to be thinking about that as well and using this Women's World Cup as a potential proving ground for some of these youngsters who could be making a bit more of an impact next year. And I think Alex Chidiak falls into that little little group of players as well.
2: Well, I also wonder, when you talk about that, Sam, is the World Cup maybe isn't so much the proving ground. Maybe it's going to be the one where some of these younger players are going to be the hard luck stories, and it's part of gearing them towards the Olympics after. Because you do see that. Like a player misses out on a big tournament, and then six months later they're in there. Look at the Socceroos, for example. Jordy Boss is going to be the next big thing for the Socceroos. And he wasn't at the the Olympics. Aidan O'Neill started in midfield. He's going to be right in the thick of things um, come the Asian Cup as well. So it, it, it can just play out like that. And um, you wonder how much that will have come into consideration with the omission of Holly McNamara, who I think was the the clear high profile, well, not high profile, high profile for us maybe, yeah. um, omission amongst this squad. Like I think if you were going, oh, yeah, and who's a young bolter that you're taking because they can make an impact off the bench, you've got Holly McNamara, right?
3: Um, who has also been playing as well. Who has been she's playing. Actually, she's...
2: Been She's got back because she got back from that ACL in um, earlier this season. And she, to be fair, she pretty much lit up the W, the A League women's yep. show when she And came she's back currently into it. She lighting super... up the,
3: the MPL in New South Wales as well. Playing uh, club, yeah. She's playing every single week and she's like in team of the week week after week after week. She's amazing. amazing.
2: That's the minimum I'd expect from her, to be honest. She's that good. Yeah. <laughs> like. I, I'd be genuinely curious, and we'll get the chance, I guess, when the squad is actually asked to hear from Tony Gustafson as to why Holly McNamara was left out. Um, I'm sure there are there are other factors. She has come back from that injury; like she's had two ACLs in her career, and she's had stress fractures. Like that can't have been easy building that sort of momentum. But on the flip side, as we say, she had a strong return from that ACL in the A League Women. She's excited. She got taken overseas for those couple of friendlies against Scotland and England, and then had to go back home for medical reasons, um, but then played for Melbourne city the next week. So we haven't actually got a look at her since the, I guess the Asian cup. She did her ACL after that. Um, I'd have liked to have seen her in there. I'd have liked to have seen her in that preliminary squad, even if she didn't necessarily get picked. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, I mean, the, the thing I hope that comes out of this is we see her in those Olympic qualifiers and leading into the Olympics. Cause I reckon she's a top tier talent. Um, and it, yeah, I was pre- I was pretty flat not to say that you always want to see like some sort of new name that can light things up and she felt like the one that could maybe just spark, you know, just in ten minutes off the bench or whatever. Um so yeah, I was I was pretty flat. I'm a big Holly McNamara fan, as we all know. Um so yeah, yeah, it was pretty disappointing to be honest. It's cool to see thoughts on them? Simpson.
1: Oh, sorry. Just changing the topic. I was gonna Yeah,
2: sorry. No, no, you go. I was interrupting. It was just if anyone else had a thought on them, omissions. Like I think her, the two McNamaras were the only ones that sort of popped to my head as like people that have been omitted and I wasn't surprised to see Matilda McNamara, but I was Holly.
1: No relation. I don't – but I, I have this thing where I forget every player that's ever existed when I'm asked this question, so not particularly helpful. <laughs> but I think if if there were any other kind of inclusions from that kind of list of periphery players who've and, and younger periphery players who've been called up in the, you know, um, last year or so, I think they'd fall into that category of probably not going to make the final squad, but they're in there for a longer-term reason. So I don't know. There's what, – what's the list? Thank you, Marissa, for helpfully grabbing this. So Tilly McNamara, Emma Checker. Uh, Jamelia Rankin, Winnie Heatley, KK, RIP, sorry, uh, Mackenzie Hawksby, Taylor Ray, Princess Abini, Jacinta Galabatarachi, and Rachel Lowe. Rachel Lowe's interesting, anyway. I, yeah, none of those stand out as like, yes, they should absolutely be in here, but I think for me, it's good to see Remy Simpson getting another crack and getting called up to camp. Um, I guess after so long of kind of not being in the conversation and I wonder if that's a case of like her move to Leicester kind of paying off here and and getting those minutes and if that was the missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle for her and what she needed to do to get herself in the conversation um don't think that she'll be going to the world cup but again probably one of those ones that's like earmarked for the future rainbow hands
2: I love that um Samson and Nevin uh coming in off the back of helping Leicester avoid relegation. it's I think it's uh, – a uh, I know Courtney Nervin in particular, you read the reviews kind of out of the UK and she was listed as one of sort of Willie Kirk's key signings. I think that movie is going to be made permanent that helped turn them around, like with her delivery. Um, she played every week. Um, Seamson wasn't quite so impactful but scored a goal or two. You know, she started a few games there. They, they obviously both played a role in helping keep her um, – keep their women's side at least – up like avoiding the drop, which I think would be great in terms of your character, in terms of having to really knuckle down and just get certain things right, like the pressure they would have had to deal with um for a couple of young players. I reckon that would have held them in such good stead, um, going forward in terms of, I guess, like gritting your teeth and doing what you need to do to get results. Um I, c- I could only imagine how much they'd have benefited from that. And also just the step up in going and playing in the WSL against really top players, both of their sort of journeys have gone under the radar just a little bit because we've got some big dogs obviously um, over there in England. But to go and do what they did is really impressive. Um, And hopefully they'll continue there because it's it's exciting to have a couple of players who aren't, you know, they're they're bench options, let's be real. Like at the moment, Nevin started a bit, but in terms of the current starting eleven, she's probably not in, in the picture. But to have them playing so well at a top level is super exciting especially when we're talking about that defensive depth situation, to be able to look at a player that's playing week in, week out in the WSL or or what's till the season finished, obviously, and go, oh, yeah, you'll be pretty handy to have off the bench as a backup left back or or centre back. That's a pretty good position to be in compared to where we've been at times.
0: We've kind of been talking about the players that we have seen named, but is it time to actually discuss Who won't make this final 23? Because as I said right off the top, we have 29 names. 29 does not go into 23. So who can we see at this point in time not making that final 23?
3: My I think my my framework for approaching this is what I said earlier, which is that if they haven't played any match minutes, I I think that that puts them at the bottom of the list. I think that that gets them the chop. So I see, for example, a, a Courtney Nevin and a Remy Simpson potentially going because they have been playing. They've been playing at the top level. Yeah, maybe not heaps, but they've been playing at the top level. Um, but even in saying that, now I'm thinking about someone like Hayley Rasso, who hasn't been playing for Man City, She's but she's been training in an environment which has been so competitive that she feels like she's ready. And we see how she plays when she plays for the Matildas, even though she hasn't been playing very much for a club. Um, and now she's going off to presumably Real Madrid, which is going to be amazing. Um, so, yeah, so maybe just um, ignore everything that I just said and, <laughs> and completely tear up that framework because... I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it's it, it differs player to player. Um, you know, I, I I would expect that there's not going to be any surprises. I don't think we're going to be surprised by the the final twenty three. I think it'll be pretty much the same squad that we have seen, but give or take one or two players for the last six months. I, and agree, I don't think so. the players who are still coming back from an injury, at like like a Kai Simon, Emily Gilnick, I don't think they make it because I think you have to be able to play.
2: I I mean, the only thing I can see is say like a. Maybe a crummer who's been a mainstay of recent squads, might drop out for a, whether it's a car Simon if she's fit, um, if you're gambling on your 23rd player, mm. I can understand why they do that. And I, that was the sort of spot I was had in my head. I was like, and that's the one you gamble on Holly McNamara with. Oh. <laughs> and cop that, Anna, that's not happening. Um, so, yeah, like, that's the sort of thing. I agree, Sam. I don't see too many changes. Like, it's become a pretty consistent, Starting eleven, the substitute options have been pretty consistent. You know, your your Chitiax, your Nevin as a defensive one, um, Van Egmond coming off the bench. She's another one who actually has to prove, who just got back from a back injury as well. She's fit. She's going because great bench option to have. Um, I don't see too many surprises. Like even like a Claire Wheeler has played well at club I Hasn't got a heap of Matilda's game time, but it's just such a handy depth player to have midfield wise, especially with. I mean, Ivy Look's not playing midfield anymore and at least Carl Knight's injured. So a defensive-minded midfielder who can come in and clean up the game and can get forward as well, Claire Wheeler, not to undersell her. Yeah, in the 23, good character, happy days. Um, like, players like Charlie Grant, Courtney Vine, they've proven it on the big stage already. They've penciled themselves in just off performance. Kyra Cooney-Cross, same deal. Um, and then there's just a bunch of players that are just searched to go, right? Like, yeah. Sam Kerr, you have Caitlin Ford, you have Katrina Gorey, you have Ellie Carpenter. Like these players are not dropping out. There's just so much of this squad that is like just going to be a constant. It's just going to, yeah, I th- I don't see too much changing and there may be a bit of a ruffle for a couple of spots. Stranger things have happened though. Like you you hear of pre-tournament squads and someone gets injured or someone doesn't, you know, reach the levels that's wanted and someone just blows it out of the water and Luke gives you no option but to pick them. Yeah, it's yeah. that's really work coming to it. Come into it. And I think it is really going to come down to how that sort of injured group and as you say, Sam, sort of the, those main, sort of mainstays of the injured group like Simon Legazzo, um, Kennedy, Gielnick, how they all perform. Um, yeah. I, I struggle to see Emily Gielnick going just because I don't think she necessarily set the world on fire with the Matildas before. She had the injury run um, under Tony. She's not played a heat. But if she comes in blistering form, as we know she has before in 2019, and you go, well, there's someone you can chuck in off the bench for 10 minutes, like that's that's an option as well. So, yeah, but in short, I I don't expect a heap of change or surprises come that final 23. I don't envy them having to pick it though because there's going to be some real line ball decisions. Um, But I do think they're in a better position in 2019 in that they're not necessarily going to have to revert to players who aren't necessarily able to make the step up, if that makes sense. Um, I think they... They're not going to have to look at a Tegan Allen or a Gemma Simon and never have any plans of playing them. right? They're in a position now where you should be able to pick a 23 and go, if I have to slot him in, I can slot him in. That, that's what you want, really.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think for me the ones that unless something happens elsewhere won't be going is Jada Wyman and kaya simon like their their inclusion would be a knock-on effect of something else happening in the squad um similarly i think that's how i feel about Remy Simpson and amy sayer but like yeah they they will be included if one of the big dogs isn't going to make it um yeah I sorry I just had a moment where I was like oh my god like so yeah Alana Kennedy there's so much time like she there's definitely like she should be good and then I was like oh my god it's a month like we literally talked about this earlier and so that that's a bit that's a bit stressful uh oh my god there's really not that much time (laughs) okay that's all yeah and Gilnick I don't see Gilnick making the final squad but you know like you said Harry strange things have happened uh I think when it comes down to it, whoever is in and who is out, I don't think it's going to be too much of a shock. Like it'll be around those players that we've kind of discussed today as to that final 23.
0: But yeah, I like the three names that immediately I was like, probably not going to be used for this tournament. Wyman, Seamson, Sayer. But as harrow mentioned earlier we literally have olympic qualifiers in october this year and i like went through the seven stages of grief or however many stages of grief there are like oh my god we've got another qualifying thing and then another major tournament in like a year and it was very stressful but like i can see all of them being utilized either in the qualifiers or the olympics proper so um i think it's a situation of yeah just maybe not their time at the moment. Um, I think there's really interesting sort of situations within every group position, every position group rather, Um, because I feel like we've got to chop probably at least one defender, which feels like a blasphemous thing to say. But I don't know if we need all of the names that have currently been listed and so like for example if an Alana Kennedy is not fit not ready then obviously that's easy we um chop her from the list but if she's fit as well it's like do we need every name there and it comes down in my opinion I reckon to maybe a Courtney Nevin and Ivy Lewick or a Claire Hunt not getting a go, but then I can also very much make an argument for all of them going. So, again, the whole point of this is I don't want to be Tony here because what a nightmare. Good luck to him. But, um, yeah, in every, in every group, I'm just like, there's probably at least one or two names that needs to go. And if everyone's fully fit, I don't necessarily know what the right name to go is.
2: Marissa, if Claire Hunt goes... Like, we're going to riot outside Football Australia HQ, I reckon. I will (laughs) burn the building
3: to the ground. (laughs) Come on. is not picked for this one. She's
0: a lock at this stage. Absolutely. I think she should be picked. I think she should be picked. picked. But Tony's insistence on continuing to bring Ivy Lewick makes me think that if he, like, if for some reason it was a choice between these two, he would pick Ivy Lewick.
2: But it's not a choice between them. It will be Ivy Lewick, depending on how Alana Kennedy pulls up, or Ivy Lewick versus Lewis Scrummer. I, th- I feel like Ivy Lewick is like a, your 23rd player or something
3: that you pick. Yeah. like Lewick and Yellow, second
2: impact. They're,
3: they're the utility players because they can play multiple positions and they can play them pretty decently. And we've seen and them you, do that over the last six months.
2: And Ivy Lewick is the sort of player that you have because she's a mature head who like is good with other players and isn't going to suck it up if she's not getting game time.
0: Yeah. Like, so you guys think we're going to bring eight defenders.
1: Defenders. Squad, squad dynamic. How many defenders? Eight. Yeah, why not?
0: Like every name I... that is on there currently, we're going to
3: bring if they're fit.
1: Yeah. I, no, oh, yeah, <laughs>
3: that yeah. Was a yep I reckon. That came from deep trauma from 2019.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I reckon. I don't know. Dream. My approach to defenders is the same with like, jars. Like, you can never have too many jars.
0: Right, (laughs) my My
1: housemate debate
0: (laughs) that,
2: and we've the thing is we have a lot of like the way we play. um, We have a lot of midfielder slash winger sorts. Like that's you know that's how Alex Chidiak will be used. Tamiki Alep will be used. God, wherever they feel like, I guess. (laughs) Um, If Chloe Lagazo were to make a bolt at this squad, she's never really just been a midfielder. For example, for the Matilda, Mm -hmm. she's been used as a winger. So it's kind of like. Defenders are where we actually do need a bit of specialisation to avoid Tamiki Elk, for example, having to play left back. Mm We're done with that. We've decided. And Um, then also, yeah, I don't know.
1: You don't have to put Steph Catley, like, in centre-back, which is always a nice thing. But I I just want to go back to something. (laughs) I find it interesting, Hara, that you think Crummer is, like, Possibly an in, possibly an out. Like, I feel like the investment that has been put into her at this stage, she's an in. Otherwise, I'm like, what was all of that for? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I know that people have lots of opinions about it, but at this stage, I feel the stance from Tony and co. is that she's there to stay. I don't know. I, I, I'd i be interested for what, on what you guys think, but... Uh, maybe this is just me, like, making peace with it as well.
2: I mean, I my thoughts on Crummer is um, I think she got her chance to show what she could do in the Scotland game and didn't impress, and I don't know if that would have led to them fully putting a line through her, but for me, like, that was against – and I know that the Matildas lost that, but that was in the weaker of the two games, arguably, that window, and didn't really shine. And I know she's been scoring some goals in Norway and that sort of thing, but – I don't understand the idea of her being a utility because, as we've just mentioned, we've got 400 fullbacks now. Um, She's not one of our best striker options. As I said, I think, quite early in this, if Kai Simon's fine. I'm taking Kai Simon over Larissa Crummer because I want that proven quality. Like, there's a few players in this squad I'm taking over Larissa Crummer. And that's not not to be like an indictment on Larissa Crummer. I just think these players are better and can impact a game more. Um, But... Squads, as we said, yeah, there's a full 23 environment, but I think you've got to have someone that can plug and play and be ready to go and actually make a real impact. Um, and we've not really seen that from Crummer as yet. Um, you know, if on one hand you've got Kai Simon and Chloe Lagazo who've barely played, like you've had Crummer who's had quite a lot of opportunities to play and hasn't done the thing. So that's where I sit with it. If she makes it, like obviously be happy for her. She's had a fair old journey to get here, but... On the face of things, like I, I, I don't see where she slots into the best three or four options in these positions.
1: I agree with all of that. I just feel like if that was the p- perspective from coaching staff, surely that decision would have been made a little bit earlier because she's been taking the spot of, for example, like a Holly McNamara who could also be given that opportunity to prove herself. I don't know. It's it baffles me. I'm I've just I. Don't try to understand it. I don't think I will ever understand it, but it's okay. It is what it is. We'll see in due time what happens.
3: <laughs>
2: Any final thoughts here, gang?
3: I don't envy the people who have to figure this shit out. Like this is why we're on this side of the fence, right? Like we mm. can hear, we can be here and throw stones and talk about it and have opinions and whatever. But when it comes to actually making this, it's really hard because like there's there's on the one hand being able to assess players based on – your subjective opinion about what makes a good footballer but then there's being able to assess them in the context of like a team system like Larissa Kramo I think is a good example because for a right long squatted. time we were yeah we were all kind of like like what is her role in the Matildas what is she doing there and more and more Tony has has been able to sort of articulate the reasons why she she'd kept being called back into camp and that's because she was one of the best well quote from him one of the best pressing players in the game she presses really high really hard really fast um i don't necessarily think that we saw that in that game against scotland but maybe he sees something that we don't maybe there are some kind of measurements that we can't see i don't know and then there's the culture piece as well harry as you just said like culture plays a really important role in squads like this we've seen what happens with national teams when the culture is absolute garbage like with france in 2019 under Karim they absolutely fell apart because their team culture just wasn't there, and they 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 weren't being utilized. Spain is another really good example. So it's like the, the culture piece and making sure you have a group of players who all meld together on and off the mm-hmm. field. I think is 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 they're equally as important. So and how that like we can't assess that from the outside. These are that's the thing. Like these the the coaching staff, the players, everyone. Inside Football Australia has access to information and to experiences that we aren't privy to, and so there are going to be potentially selections that are made that don't make sense to us, but they make sense to them. But I mean, for us, I think it, what's important is that we trust them, because ultimately they're the ones who would. This is their jobs, right? Like they're they're the they're, they're carrying this on their shoulders, and if it doesn't work, then they're going to be the ones who cop the flak for it.
2: And. Tony was in the thick of that US environment that won back-to-back World Cups yeah. despite the Olympics disaster in the middle. Like, exactly. You've got players who didn't play a heap, like a, an Ali Long, who's very tight with a, you know Alex Morgan. They get on well. These players know each other's games. Who, If you plugged and played it, she'd be fine in, against most midfields, right? Back in 2019, this is. Or you have um, Kelly O'Hara gets concussed in the final and you know you can slot in an Ally Krieger. Like, this is the sort of stuff they were able to do. Like, you have players that are ready to go. You have players that um, – and Jess McDonald, who obviously had a really good little stint here in um, in Australia, Western United, she was sort of one of those players. Like, um, sort of a utility player who you could throw in, who – good character, those sorts of things. Like, popular, isn't going to rock the boat in terms of your your squad. Like, people get on. Like, that's – those all those things matter. Like – there's a level of, you know, balancing egos. There's a level of expectations. There's players who want to start but don't. There's players who want to play but don't. And you have to juggle all these things and you, you have to use these years that we've just had to figure out those combinations. Um, and, yeah, one thing I'm just happy about is, like, goalkeeping-wise, we're in a pretty good spot. Tegan-Mirker's coming back from those concussions at a good time. I think she'll be going as uh, number two goalkeeper, though, because I think Mackenzie Arnold's got, that, got the gloves at least for now. But it's a great position to be in. Lydia Williams, Claire Polkingon are such like steadfast, great influences on that playing group. So popular, so well-liked, such leaders. Like you have to have those sorts of figures. Like I wouldn't want to be the US trying to figure out how you replace the experience of Rebecca, Becky Sauerbrunn right now. That would be just giving me nightmares and conniptions all over the place. Like, yeah, it, at the end of the day, they're going to have to work out how all these things go on balance and where, you know, where does an Ivy look slot in or – do you have to make that call like what where does it all work out I, yeah, in short I don't envy them but yeah I, I don't think I'm going to if it makes sense I don't think I'm going to be disappointed when the final 23 comes out because there's not really any surprises like if Kaya Simon makes it she'll have earned it I don't think they'll pick her thinking she won't be able to play so
0: <laughs> I hope I would usually make fun of the US but I know what it's like to need to replace a centre-back heading into a World Cup and so I'm just like, ooh, I feel you. No fun. Good luck to yous. Good luck to Tony and the Matildas coaching staff as they pick their final 23 when that squad comes out. Obviously, we'll have a little chat about that, have a little preview pod about the World Cup proper because it will be just around the corner then but... That's the Provisional Squad chat done. We will have preview pods for each of the World Cup groups coming to you over the next little bit. We will also have the Short Corners, which is a little series that we've started. Angela will be dropping some episodes very soon as well. So basically, you will not be left wanting stuff to listen to. We will have you covered from literally every angle and we can't wait for you all to listen to everything that's coming so thank you so much for tuning in as always we are over on espn.com.au and the espn app as well as spotify apple google and all of the usual pod spots if you like what we do leave a review and subscribe if you want to have a chat to us we're at the far post pod on all social media but until next time (laughs) go to your lives